Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine, Massachusetts. Today we start in a new book, started to study a new book, a book that I've never preached on before. I've probably preached, you know, different out of it, but never gone through it expository, one verse at a time, so to speak. First Peter, First Peter. And I'm just going to be reading two verses today as we're going to be doing an introduction to the book in First Peter. Hear the word of the Lord. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Just like to open in a word of prayer first. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful for those that are here, those that are listening, watching. Wherever you may be, this message is for each one of us, prepared for each one of us. So may we be tuned in, may we listen, and may we be blessed by it and built up in the faith to love you more, to serve you better, and for some to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. Well, the title of the message is Introducing First Peter. Going to be studying uh, Peter's first letter. You know, Peter, you know a lot about him already. He was one of the main leaders in the early church. Jesus' right-hand man, so to speak. Before becoming, as a lot of you know already, before becoming a follower, a disciple of Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. From the village of Bethsaida, in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. His given name was Simon. But when Jesus called him to be one of his disciples, he gave him a new name, Peter, or Cephas. In the Aramaic language, that means rock or stone. So what was the purpose of writing this letter? He did it to encourage believers to live a godly life in the midst of their suffering. And they were suffering tremendous persecution because of their faith in Jesus. And he wanted to encourage them, to remind them, if they didn't know already, their position in Christ, to keep on keeping on, regardless of the persecution that they were experiencing. Verse 1 Peter begins by announcing 
who he is and what he is. He says, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter was known as the apostle to the Jews where Paul was known as the apostle to the Gentiles. There were very few apostles in the early church and there have been no apostles since then, although some claim to be apostles and some believers claim that certain individuals that they follow are apostles. Today, not, not. Why? Because to qualify as an apostle, number one, a man must have been appointed by Jesus himself. Number two, he must have seen the risen Lord Jesus. And number three, which disqualifies everybody else that claims to be an apostle, an apostle must have all the apostolic gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that would include healing the sick, casting out demons, and raising people from the dead. Is there anyone around like that today? No. So if they claim to be an apostle, they might think they are, but they're not. All right? We've just blown their theory out of the water completely. The Apostle Paul, in a vision on the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus. Paul, Jesus said in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, Paul was my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. Remember I said Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles? To carry my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and before the people of Israel. So who was Peter writing to? We know obviously Christians. But it tells us here, to God's elect. He's writing to God's elect. Strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These five locations, in the old days was referred to as Asia Minor. Today, it's commonly known as the country of Turkey. I'm not sure that's where the turkeys came from, but you got turkeys everywhere. Anyway, some of those Christians were Gentiles. However, the majority of those Christians were mainly Jews that had become Christians. As the New King James Version says, they were pilgrims of the dispersion. Pilgrims of the dispersion. In other words, they were Jewish exiles who had become Christians. At that time in history, 
there was about a million Jews living in Palestine. But they were between two to four million outside of it, who, as Peter rightly said, were scattered. They were scattered abroad or dispersed, pilgrims of the dispersion. Why? Because they were forced to abandon their homes and flee abroad by the skin of their teeth because of the persecution by the wicked emperor at that time, Nero. You know, anti-Semitism or the hatred of the Jews is not something new. There's been a real immersion of that in our society today because of the Palestinian war. But it's not something new, hatred of the Jews. It's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Why? Because the devil hates the Jews. Because the Jews are God's chosen people. Amen? The only tribe that was chosen because they only believed in one God. All the other heathens believed in multitudes of gods and worshipped demon spirits. They were chosen. They were set apart. They were chosen to spread his word, to write down his word. All the prophets were Jewish from the tribe of Israel, from the people of Israel. The Messiah would come through that nation. They are God's chosen people. Amen. So the devil goes after him and continues to go after him. And he's behind it, the anti-Semitism that's gone on for thousands of years and continues to this day. Peter writes to God's elect. Who are they? God's elect are those who have become part of the family of God, having received Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. It's that simple. If you're a Christian, then you're elect. You're either a believer or an unbeliever. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either lost or found. You're either elected or rejected. All right? But you can be saved. God so loved the world, sent his only begotten son. Whoever, whosoever believes in him shall be saved and not perish. So verse 2, those elect, those Christians, he said they've been chosen. Amen? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So God initiates the call for people to repent of their sins through the teaching and the preaching of God's word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? God chose this method, the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says. This method, he could have chosen angels, he could have chosen any other method, but he uses people, preachers, so people can hear the word of God and believe the word of God. 
by faith. God chose the method for all people everywhere, regardless of where they've been born in this world. Born condemned sinners to be saved from judgment and eternal hellfire through the word of God. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1.21. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, did not know God, because just being wise, you're not going to know God. But if you believe the word of God, that is being very wise. The world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So people can hear, they hear the message and by faith they can either believe it or reject it. That's where free will comes in. That verse at the end there, it says, to, to save those who believe. So if people don't believe the gospel message, then they're not saved. They've got to believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? So in order to be saved from hell, people must believe the gospel message that Jesus saves that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. Believing faith in what Jesus did on the cross, shedding his sinless blood to take the punishment that we deserve, because we're sinners, so that we can be forgiven of our sins. He's the only one that did it. He's the only one that could do it. We just have to believe it. I believe it. God says it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen? It's not complicated. So Peter continues. To those who believe, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. All right? So in other words, God knows before the beginning of time those that would believe the gospel message and be saved, and he knows those who will not believe the gospel message. Why? Because God has foreknowledge. We don't have foreknowledge. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea what's going to happen in the next minute. We make all these plans, but we have to say, if the Lord wills, God willing. Amen? We've made plans to go on vacation, but it may never happen. I hope it does, but... The foreknowledge of God, he knows what's going to happen. God is all-knowing. We're not. We know a fraction. He knows exactly the time and the place where a sinner will receive his son as his saviour. We didn't even know it was going to happen till it happened. But God knew before the beginning of time. 
He's always existed. There's never been a time when God hasn't existed. Everything else has been created, except God. How did this happen? How did this faith happen? How? Peter tells us. He said, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. For obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. A sinner can only become a saint by obeying God's call to repent, by believing by faith for obedience to Jesus Christ. The moment in time when sinners believe in their heart by faith in what Jesus has done for them personally, through, as Peter says, the sprinkling of his blood. It's only the blood of Christ that can wash away our sins. Who can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Who can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, the moment a spiritually dead sinner accepts and believes in their heart by faith, that Jesus died, he rose again from the dead, they become a new creation. Do you believe that? Whether you believe it or not, it happened. How can we become a new creation? It tells us. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. You know, once we receive Jesus Christ, we are sanctified, we are set apart, we, are, we become saints. You don't have to die to become a saint. Well, you, you, you do, in a way. You die to self. The old man is dead. And then you become a new creation. But that's not the end of it. When we receive the Holy Spirit, he's in the process of sanctifying us, working on us from the inside, and making us, hopefully, more like his son being more conformed to the image of his son. So it's an ongoing sanctifying process. And anyway, one day we'll be like him. In the meantime, if we're obedient, rely on him, be led by his Holy Spirit, then we'll produce the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Amen. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. So Peter, he continues his introduction. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. We can only have peace with God by faith through God's grace. Some of you know what that word means already. Some of you don't. The word translated here, grace, in the New Testament, comes from the Greek word charis, which means favor, blessing, kindness, 
Where does that come from? God himself. God is the instigator of grace. It's from him that all grace flows. God shows both mercy and grace, but they're not the same thing. There's a difference between God's mercy and God's grace. God's mercy, listen, God's mercy withholds punishment that we do deserve. God's mercy withholds punishment that we deserve. But God's grace gives a blessing that we don't deserve. All right, shall I repeat that? God's mercy withholds a punishment we do deserve. God's grace gives a blessing we don't deserve. Mercy. God chose to cancel out our sin, our sin debt. The wages of sin is death. He chose to cancel out our sin debt because of his mercy by the sacrificial death of the innocent one who didn't deserve to die because he had no sin. He died in our place. He's our substitute. But he goes even further than mercy, extends his grace, his unmerited favours, to his enemies, not just to his friends, to his enemies that rebelled against him. We were all rebels without a cause, not just James Dean. We're all rebels by nature. So what does he do? He gives us forgiveness, reconciliation, abundant life, eternal rewards. He gives us his Holy Spirit, peace on earth, and a home in heaven when we die. That's God's grace. That's the blessings that we receive. And that's just a, a little bit of what he gives us that we don't deserve. Amen? So God accepts us. He accepts us. We're accepted. Not because of the good things that we've done, but because of our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent shed his blood to forgive us. There is none good, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let me close with an illustration, and it's a good one. Listen, I'll tell you a story. A young woman was arrested for breaking the law. And young people, if you break the law, you deserve to be arrested. And so do the older ones. Some of us can testify to that fact. Young woman was arrested for breaking the law. Later, standing in front of the judge, the jig was up. So what should she do? She pleaded guilty. The judge wearing his robe knew he couldn't let her off the hook. 
She had to pay the price. She had to pay the penalty for breaking the law. So he passed the sentence prescribed by the law, either to pay a heavy fine, which she couldn't afford to pay anyway, or go to jail. But what happened then? The judge stood up. He took off his judge's robe. He came down, pulled out his wallet, and looked lovingly into her eyes and handed her the money she needed to pay the penalty for her crime. Why did he do that? Because the woman was his own daughter. But being a good judge, he had to honor the law and impose the penalty. But being a good loving father, he was willing to come down and pay the price on her behalf. Now the woman had a choice to make. Would she let go of her pride and humbly reach out to receive her father's generous gift? Or would she resist and prove she didn't need his help? This story illustrates the situation between God and us. God is holy, 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 and a just judge who says, you've broken my laws, you've sinned against me, and the penalty is death. But he's also a loving father who said, I love you, I will come down and pay the penalty myself. So he took off his heavenly robe. We're talking about Jesus. He took off his heavenly robe. He came down in the form of a man called Jesus. And he paid the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. Now we, you, have a choice to make. To humbly receive his payment and forgiveness or reject his sacrifice and spend the rest of your life and eternity trying to pay the debt you can never repay. Because of God's grace, he gave the greatest treasure that he could give, his only begotten son to the least deserving. And that includes every one of us, amen. That's how much God loves us. Don't you ever forget it. Amen? amen. Let's close. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us. And we, some of us don't need to be reminded. We've heard it many times. Let's not uh, ever take it for granted price that you paid on that cross to bring us to God and help us to share our faith with others 
that need to hear it because you love each and every one who's ever been born and you're not willing that any of them should perish but that all should come to repentance to receive you to be given peace on earth and eternal life in heaven i hope those of you that have watched and listened to this message that you will humble yourself and believe by faith having heard the message to receive jesus by faith believe in your heart that jesus is lord that he went to the cross he suffered and died in your place to take the punishment that you deserve because he loves you and he died and he was buried and he rose again from the dead and he is alive and if you believe that and you call upon his name he will come and save you and give you purpose in life and a home in heaven when you leave it I hope you do for your own sake Amen. Amen. If you like this message, uh, you're on YouTube, just give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel so we can get the word out to more people. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., we are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.